0: Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It's a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Erin Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. Let me see if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that was to get that home loan approval turned around in a snap. She is, after all, the person who can make that 10-day home loan approval, a guarantee. Check her out on the web at com. That's just like it's spelled, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, bowerssockteam.com. Uh, we mentioned the busy weekend that's going on for University of Texas Athletics, uh, Longhorn Baseball opening in a series tonight, Texas men up the road in Waco to play Baylor tomorrow, Texas women on the road. Uh, they are uh, up in um, Norman, Oklahoma to play OU. Big 12 men's and women's swimming and diving continue with the Big 12 championship. Also, Texas men's tennis is coming off an appearance in the final of the ITA National Indoors Championship. Their first ever in program history. And uh, they have... uh, those old rivals uh, from just to the east, Texas A&M coming in on Sunday afternoon. Very pleased to be joined on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline uh, by the head coach, Bruce Burke, who's with us. Bruce, I appreciate the time. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, and it's always always appreciated when I get the opportunity to talk all things Texas men's tennis.
0: And and uh, you are all things Texas men's tennis, so I'm glad to do that. I, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Um, you avenged the earlier loss to Ohio State, And, uh, and also, uh, you know, here was the team that eliminated you from the, from the tournament with Michigan and, uh, where you'd been, uh, earlier. And then of course you beat number nine, Wake Forest in that ITA national indoor championship. So, uh, how pleased were you to see the totality? I know you wanted to get to get the win and went up against a really good TCU team in the final, but how about your thoughts on, uh, the, the total performance at the ITA indoors?
1: Yeah, for sure. When looking back on it, I'd be uh, stupid if I was anything other than really thrilled and really happy with the way the guys performed, the results they got, and and just the way they carried themselves and competed. Because, uh, you know, winning matches at that tournament is. If anything, it's even tougher than winning matches at the NCAA tournament because there's no wild, there's no wild cards or conference automatics. You know, everyone pretty much earns their way into it. So, you know, we beat two top five teams in the country, probably the two best indoor teams in the country, um, and uh, you know, th- we could I couldn't have asked for much more than that.
0: Well, and and obviously, you wound up with the uh, the most outstanding player, Elliot Spirisi, who is the uh, 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 Spaziri, who's the number one ranked singles player and your first in eight years uh how is how has he uh adjusted to that uh, that number one ranking we understand how how rankings can shape a person's mindset when they go into a, a specific match either determination or or however what's been your take on seeing elliott since uh going rising to the number one spot
1: yeah i think that's a really good question because i've I've been fortunate enough to um, be able to have coached a handful of guys that reached that pinnacle in in the rankings. And it doesn't usually go well right away, you know, Um, because you're the hunted and some of the guys feel like they're playing with the weight of the world on their shoulders, trying to protect something. But you know, so I was interested to see how Elliot would handle it, and uh, he's handled it about as well as he's handled just about every other challenge that's been thrown his way. And there's been a lot of challenges thrown his way, so he's he's continued to have a growth mindset. He's continued to compete and try to earn everything he gets. He doesn't try to protect himself or protect his ranking, and uh, he's just playing hard and fighting to win matches for Texas. And I've I've been uh, super impressed with the way he's handled it so far.
0: For folks who don't know, Elliot Spaziri, is is a he's a junior and uh, from Greenwich, Connecticut, and uh, we, we talked about how in the past I know uh, Bruce when you get guys from a lot of different places, sometimes uh, even uh, beyond the boundaries of the United States of America, but but even inside uh, the contiguous 48 there's there's an adjustment for guys sometimes if they haven't been in the state of Texas now he's a, he's a junior by now uh, does did you get the um, uh, you know the, the the vibe from your guys both internationally and the national guys how much they enjoy being in Austin Texas is that a big part of uh, it's always a big part of recruiting but is it is it a big part for their enjoyment of what they're seeing uh, when they are student athletes on campus?
1: Yeah, I think they love it. I really do. And the, Elliot's got his cowboy boots, and uh, so he's he, he's at all you know they're all at all the other sporting events and basketball and football and supporting the other athletes in the other in the various sports. And he 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 loves it. And uh, you know, I think most of our guys really enjoy being here. They'd be crazy not to, to be honest. I, I'd love to have had the opportunity to be a student athlete at Texas. So yeah, no, it's a great vibe. Uh, the culture really strong right now, and um, it's fun for me to be able to, you know, be part of what turns out to be some of the best four years of their lives and just kind of to relive that experience with them each each, uh, each turnaround of, of a new student athlete. It's a, it's a big, big, uh, big enjoyment for me, really.
0: But Bruce, here's a question I've been wanting to ask you, uh, even going back to last year when we were talking, uh, you know, a performance in an indoor event and then there's an outdoor event. Do you notice, the distor- and, and, and can you discuss what, specific if there are uh strategy changes and nothing else because a court surface for your guys when they're playing in an indoor event as opposed to an outdoor and some teams quite frankly are just better uh indoor teams than outdoor teams for whatever reasons but uh, how about the nuances of of being in an indoor event as opposed to outdoors
1: yeah i think the the indoor courts are typically faster Meaning, um, when the ball hits the ground, it doesn't bounce up as high. It kind of skids a little more and stays low, um, and it's just it's so that's one big difference. So that's just getting that's just getting used to the bounce of the ball. And teams that are more used to that seem to do better. Um, and then the other thing is it favors the conditions are really clean, so your your weaknesses can be hidden a little easier. It's harder to expose somebody's weaknesses because the serves tend to be coming in faster. The points are shorter. Um, the balls bounce lower, so it's hard to get at people's weaknesses as much. So it favors bigger guys who come forward to the net a lot and finish points quickly. And it's harder for the guys that have to develop points and kind of use a little more strategy and, and fitness. So um, that that's the intricacies of it. And, you know, so when we play Michigan and Ohio State, and they're, they've got, you know, if you look at them and when they're getting off the bus, it probably looks like they're a basketball team, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Big, big guys who have a lot of power. And so for us to, you know, to do as well as we did against them um, was a great accomplishment, really. But yeah, there are some differences. I think it's just easier to hide your weaknesses indoors and uh, the ball stays lower. So it's, uh, it favors more strike zone players who like the ball down low in their strike zone.
0: I would imagine also when you have an event and you've had them before where it's scheduled as an outdoor event. And then you have inclement weather move in, rain, cold weather, and you have to move it indoors. There's some mental adjustment that has to go on, isn't there? Because you've got guys yep. who who are better outdoor players than indoor players and vice versa.
1: Yeah, I think I think so. It probably depends a little bit on the surface because some indoor courts are most of the indoor courts that you'll find in the Midwest or the Northeast are fast. Um like ours, for instance, are not. You know, ours are very similar to Um, what we have outside, so the court surface is is pretty fair. But, yeah, there's definitely some differences. To to be fair – the tougher change, honestly, for people is to be if they're used to playing indoors all the time and all of a sudden they have to come this way and play outdoors with no outdoor practice. That's a tougher adjustment um, because now you've got the wind, you've got the sun, sometimes you've got the heat, you know, the ball's bouncing up when you're not used to it. So um, I think that change is it's harder to feel good with that change. The problem we face isn't that we don't feel good when we go indoors. It's just that the other teams play so much better, you know, so much bigger
0: visiting with Bruce Burke, Texas men's tennis coach here on light, the tower. Okay. So Texas A&M is coming in. And even though, um, they're ranked 40th in the computer, it's the first week of the season that the computer rankings out, but the human poll, they've been in the 23 to 25 range, uh, most of the season. What's your take on the Aggies when you examine them?
1: Yeah, there's no doubt that they're a top 20, top 25 team. Like you said, this is the first computer ranking. And, um, there's just not enough results in the computer. I think A&M's actually only played five matches so far, which is really unusual at this stage in the season. We've played 12 already. So they just don't have enough data to really be reflected accurately in their, in their team ranking. So they're, they're a tough team. I think they're better than last year's team. And last year's team, um, we played them in college station and barely, barely beat them. We escaped with our lives and it was a four, three match that came down to the wire. So, you know, I expect a real battle, um, this time, I think they're they're a very strong team, and uh, with some good experienced players and some great coaches. And in fact, their head coach, Steve Denton, was one of the best players who ever played at UT. So mm-hmm. um, he's definitely, you know. The, and of course, anytime you're playing Texas and Texas A&M in any sport, it's going to be a battle. So we're we're looking forward to that, and we're really hoping that we can get a big crowd out there to come support us.
0: You know, that's the other thing I've always noticed about it doesn't it really seem to matter the sport the athletic endeavor, uh, the student athletes at Texas are really fired up for Texas A&M, which is probably a good thing, isn't it, Bruce, that you have a rivalry matchup like that since the next match is the number one team in the country on the road <laughs> at TCU, and if it was somebody who right. wasn't a rival, there might be the tendency for some guys to naturally think about that huge matchup on the road at the number one team in the country the next week, but it's A&M, so that takes care of itself. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think so. And and also, that's really been one of the goals we've had for this year is to try as best we can to treat every match the same because the margins are so thin in, in, sport, in all sports at this level, but definitely in college tennis that um, really, if you're a little bit off your mental game, you can get beaten. And we don't play, you know, if you look at our schedule, we've played 12 matches right now, and 11 of them, if, if you count the human balls, you said with A&M, have been against top 25 teams Um so far so our schedule's been brutal and we just we just can't and it and it stays that way you know we just got done with the national indoors and I might have been smarter to schedule a little break in here but I didn't and and now we're going a and m um at home then TCU on the road and then Stanford on the road, so um, you know we 'll play u s c later in the season too, and then that 's all before we start to knock the, non- the uh, conference season so yeah if we're if we 're not treating every match the same at this point in the year, then uh we're we 're in for a world of hurt so but yeah, like you said a and m at home with the crowd, I think our guys will be fired up and and uh, they 'll be ready to go
0: it 'll be the last chance for folks to see uh, Texas tennis at home until March 14th when they host North Carolina State because of the two matchups that Bruce just mentioned uh, at TCU and at Stanford Filing. So it's Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock, Texas Tennis Center, Texas against Texas A&M. It's Longhorns and Aggies. That's reason enough. Bruce, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. Uh, Best of luck this weekend, and we'll do it again. We'll visit some more this season.
1: Sounds great. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: You bet. All right, that's Bruce Burke, Texas tennis coach. And again, Aggies in town on Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock uh, for that one. And uh, then they go to Fort Worth, and then they go to Stanford before they come back for NC State. That's three consecutive ranked opponents, including TCU, who holds the number one ranking since they've won that indoor event, beating Texas in the final. So it's there. Um, uh, other uh, Longhorn Notebook-related things. Uh, we'll uh, Next hour, uh, we're going to hear uh, from Roddy Terry uh, talking about uh, the the this matchup with uh, with Baylor and uh, what they'll be encountering there, but but we know uh, Jeff based on uh, what we saw in the first matchup and what we've known about Baylor, uh, where the meat and potatoes of this Baylor team is. It's in the backcourt with Adam Flagler yep. and L.J. Cryer and Keontae George, and the, you know it, it's funny. I mentioned we were talking about balance last night before we even got to talking about Baylor, and we were talking about balance and how deep. The Longhorns are. Baylor has several players. They don't go as deep into their bench as the Longhorns do. uh, But I was talking about the balance and the depth and getting production from different guys. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, every coach would love to have, you know, three guys or five guys that are averaging in the 15-point-per-game range. I said, but that doesn't happen often. Well, it does with Baylor. Because Adam Flagler's averaging 16 points a game, LJ Crier's averaging 15, and Keontae George is averaging 17. So the three of them combined are averaging 16 points per game apiece. They're getting 48 points per game out of those three guys. So that that in itself says a lot about the the challenge Baylor presents. The
2: X factor for me is Jonathan Chambuchow.
0: Well, that's that's where I was going to go with yeah, that la- later. JTT or as as uh, Rodney likes to say. Uh, he, he was quoting a friend for Shella, uh, everyday John, <laughs> <laughs> everyday John. Cause he, cause he's back and he comes off a double double.
2: Cause you know, I, I, if you're Baylor, like you kind of know what you're going to get on a flow thomba for better yep. or for worse. Uh, <laughs> You know Jalen Bridges has shown at times this year that he can he can be a guy, but we've seen him at times where he might just kind of fall back a little bit and disappear. Dale
0: Bonner off the bench, yeah.
2: Uh, so Chama Chachwa he completely changes the complexion of their front court. And uh, Texas fans will remember he got hurt in the game in Waco last year, pretty serious knee injury. Yeah. Didn't expect him to be back as early as he was. I figured probably maybe like Big Twelve tournament time they might start working him back in, but. Speedy recovery, good to see him back on the floor, probably for Texas fans every day except tomorrow. But uh, he'll be out there, and again, from a toughness factor on the glass, that's a big one for me is on the glass because especially with this Texas team having some confidence, I think coming off of one of their best offensive rebounding games of the year against Iowa State, you won the physicality battle in that game. You you know you've got to do a lot of those same things you did on Tuesday. A lot of that stuff's got to carry over to Waco tomorrow if you want to win.
0: Yeah. Oh, Oh, by the way, I found out one other thing about him since he's returned. Uh, it has been discovered that of his three names, the last name has a short A sound. It's Jonathan Chamwa Chatua. Chachua. Chatua, like you're in an online chat. Chatua Chachua. Found that out gotta, as well.
2: Got to make sure I note that and change that in the, the uh, future.
0: Well, when he first came in, and I remember talking to John Morris about this When I went up to do a Westwood One broadcast when Kansas played Baylor. When I when, uh, first came in, we were told it was Jonathan Chamwa Chachua, and then we thought no. And then we found out later no. He, he it's it's Chachua. So we went by and Chachua. That's what I've been going. On. Yeah, well, it's what everybody been. And then in the, this year we found out it's actually Chachua.
2: Is it offensive if I call Flo Thomba the Dime Store Mobamba?
0: Thomba the Dime Store Mobamba. Are, are you going for the Mo rhyme Bamba. there? No, he's uh-huh. just the Dime Store Mobamba. Okay, like, you
2: know and you get like uh you've got Dr Pepper as your name brand and it's like you know
0: Dr B at HEB Dr Thunder or whatever it's like eh, it's yeah it's
2: not quite the same is it Dr Mr. Pib? Yeah <laughs> well it's I've seen Dr Thunder Dr B is the HEB brand is Dr Thunder like the Walmart brand maybe Yes. I
0: yeah I think that's it yeah. but you I think know, that's it
2: You know it. what I'm saying like yeah it's, it's it can get the job done it's just not as reliable as sturdy as good as the name brand
0: You know the the Mrs <laughs> is a real big uh HEB shopper <laughs> waiting
2: for the text from CB to tell us yeah. how much he misses Dr B in the it, Pacific it, Northwest
0: yeah really uh, uh Linda's a real big uh HEB shopper and she will yeah and loves a lot of the HEB brands she does not go for the doctor B and she <laughs> and and that she's an avowed Dr Pepper drinker but she loves as I do the HEB original Cola 'Cause it does taste a lot like Coca Cola. Actually, it's not as
2: syrupy as Coca Cola to me. Okay. So H-E-B you brand. like it then? Yeah. yeah.
0: But the but she's not on board with the with the Dr. B. She likes she likes the regular Dr. Pepper, but she'll go for the H. E. B. cola.
2: Um uh, The you know the you know what's an underrated item at H. E. B? Like what's of it? their of their brands? What's it? Hill Country Fair bread. Yeah. Yeah. They, like might thumb their nose at it. Mm mm. It's like kind of a little bit thin, and you can smash your sandwich together. I like it. It's all right. You're okay. I'm I'm a big fan of Hill Country. I haven't had it in a minute because my wife's been buying like the honey wheat or something. I don't know. You
0: know know what else is good? Like for a one day thing, if you're like, say, spaghetti and meatballs is the fair or something like that or whatever it is, you know, they do that dollar bread thing. We can go over in the bakery section and walk oh, oh, yeah, yeah. r- r- for for a dollar.
2: Get the yellow coupon. Yeah. And they'll get you some bread.
0: Yeah. 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 You don't even have to do the 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 coupon thing. Oh, really? It's just there. It's the dollar bread. A couponless? A couponless yeah. transaction. <laughs> that's, that's right. All right. Uh, <laughs> C B right. says, Team Doctor B. Uh, so anyway. Uh there we go. All right. Uh, and, hey, uh, Tom reminds us, this is thanks for giving UT Tennis the time it deserves. I uh, uh, greatly appreciate it. UT baseball fans can walk over to the Tennis Center after a baseball game on Sunday. Absolutely. Uh, you know. So with 1 o'clock game, you could walk over and see the end of that afterwards. All right. Uh, coming up next, we have Inconceivable. It's on Friday. We know what Friday means, right? We, we, we do know what Friday means. We go to the most flaccid state. In the lower 48,
2: and we grab that low hanging fruit from the state of Florida on a Friday. We could do it every day of the week, but we save it for the end of the week.
0: Well, as if on cue, last night Lynn and I were watching the Mavericks and the Spurs, and you know, you know, uh, other than Luca, Luca's the universal answer for Maverick fans about who your favorite player is. But, but other than that, her favorite player mm-hmm. uh, is uh, Reggie Bullock. And she calls him unicorn because you know because of his hair his unusual hairstyle yeah. and sometimes it sticks out like a unicorn horn. Well, last night it was kind of on the side of the head and it was drooping. She goes, she said one of his one of his locks over there, one of them is flaccid. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, did you? Because we're coming up on uh, Florida Friday. Is that why you said that? And she started laughing. Flaccidity running amok. Yeah, it was there you, on the. You know
2: thing. why Reggie Bullock does that, right? The the two different colored locks.
0: I don't know why the different colors. In it's this.
2: for his, his two sisters. Who that's
0: right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I remember yeah. that story that she yeah. mentioned. That she really likes him. She calls him unicorn. But that's, she you him. know,
2: nice player. But it's really yeah. uh, you know that's not an answer you hear. Who's your favorite Mavericks player? Reggie Bullock. Not the name that's no. top. of Well, mind. Luca
0: is always at the top of the list. Well, yeah. But they didn't have to. And they hammered the feckless Spurs last night. Uh, with uh with uh, Luca and uh, Kyrie Irving playing together for the first It's kind of like who's your who's your favorite Mavericks
2: player? Dirk doesn't count. Well, okay. I no, don't really got to think about yeah, it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Gotcha, Okay. Mine would be Hardaway. I like I like Tim Hardaway Jr. Boy, when they blew the game open, it was an 89-80 game, late third quarter, and then they outscored him like 30 to 10 after that. And Hardaway had three threes in that time. And
2: my answer to that question is no longer on the roster. That would have been one Dorian Finney-Smith. You
0: were a Dorian Finney-Smith, yeah, I, I know that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.